Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. In uh, Luke chapter 19, first of all, let me say this. This house, uh, this church has always had in mind or has always tried to live or lead with the youth in mind really out front. If you've been here, this church has been, what, 26, 27 years, March 10th, 1991, when Cornerstone was founded. We started actually in the little, we call it the blue building, uh, right out here to the right, and so, uh, which is where our teenagers are at on Wednesday night, but uh, and then as God began to move and as uh, God began to pour out His Spirit and bless the place, that whenever you there's plans to build the church or whatever, that before we before the church before they built a building, uh, God spoke to Pastor Dale in a dream and told him to build this facility right here, which was a gym. Uh, there's actually a basketball floor right under your feet. We covered it up with carpet, but to build this gym and to put the kids first, and so that's kind of what God has always uh, has always said about this house. And so this morning, I just want to preach from that, just in mindset uh, of that right there. So let's go to Luke chapter 19. I will also share, as Stanton said, he was speaking prophetically over them. That uh, there was a word given in 2005 by Bob Jones. You can Google this. Uh, that is called the Gulliver's Prophecy or the Revival Man Prophecy. This week, I think it was on Thursday morning that I woke up and um, I was in, in, in there and uh, I just leaned over the sink to brush my teeth. And I felt like the Lord just really laid something on my heart and really speaking of uh, Indianapolis. If you look at that uh, word there the, of the Revival Man Prophecy or the Gulliver Prophecy, what it is was there was this, this giant Gulliver that was laying on the ground. He was held down by little people of little value and little input. And he had all these strings attached. And he had one hand laying in Philadelphia. Uh, the left hand was laying in Philadelphia. The right hand was laying in Indianapolis. His heart was in uh, 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 Columbus and um and the head was in Cleveland, Ohio. A lot of the midsection was in Ohio. Then he had one foot, I believe it was in Charlotte, and one foot was in Atlanta. And when this van, this man stood up on his feet, he, he stood up, uh, no, one foot was in Nashville, one foot was in Charlotte. When he stood up, he was standing in Atlanta, Georgia, and he said that the whole South was swept with revival. That was a word given in 2005. And so I was thinking about that. I really wasn't thinking about that, but the Lord just said the first thing that came into my uh, into my heart on Thursday morning. And I was sitting there, and then I got to thinking that right hand is laying in Indianapolis. Well, we know according to Scripture that the right hand represents the power of God. How many knows that the Bible says God says I will hold uphold you by the power of my right hand? So the right hand will represent the power, the power of God laying in Indianapolis. And I text Matt and Stanton. How many knows that Indianapolis is known for the Colts? Right? The Indianapolis Colts. And I texted him. I said, I believe that God's screaming about that right hand of power that's going to rest on the Colts. How many knows that they're not the church of DeMar? This is what we always said in the church. Well, that's the church of DeMar. How many knows they're the church of today? Come on, somebody. How many knows that there's no big Holy Spirit and no little Holy Spirit? How many knows that a child can flow in the gifts just as well as an adult can flow in the gifts? And what I found in 20 plus years of ministry that children don't know how to fail. 
fake church. Come on, somebody. They don't know Christianese. They know what's real and what is not, friend. They know when there's an actor or they know when the real thing is there. And so what I believe that God is saying, that God is fixing to cause a young people movement. I know that Fox News may not show that to you. CNN may not show that to you. This is why the school shootings is rising up. All of hell is shaking because God is about to unleash some young leaders on the face of this earth that will forever alter the course of history. All right. Now see, here's the deal. You got to feed out of two troughs, friend. You can feed out of what the news is going to tell you or you can feed out of what that Bible is going to tell you. And that Bible will tell you in Joel chapter 2, in the last days God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will have visions. So instead of allowing the news to tell me what my kids are going to do, I claim what the word of God says over my children. You're going to be filled with the Spirit. You're going to prophesy the Word of God. You're going to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You're going to cast out devils. You're going to make a mark, friend. When I let my children out to go to school, I tell them, I say, son, go into the, high, go into the hallways, cast out devils, heal the sick, and raise the dead. I expect nothing less from my children. Now, if you're first time here, we got preachers in the house. We want to welcome you. And I always cut up like this. And I got this from Jensen Franklin. A teacher tells it, but a preacher yells it. I'm a preacher, okay? So I'm going to yell for a few more minutes here, but we're passionate about what we, we're, we're, we're preaching here and we believe this. All right, you with me? So let's go to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. And I can tell you this, there's some kids in this room believe it too. Dawson was at my house, uh, I guess Saturday's week ago, he actually helped me. We had to cut down a couple of trees and he was up there helping me. And this is what he said. He said, I go to bed every night listening to you preach. Man, you don't know, buddy. I walked in that house. I said, I can't believe that kid say, you know, some people go to bed and listen to Taylor Swift. He was going to bed listening to me preach the gospel. Let me tell you something. You can't go to bed and listen to me preach the gospel without that getting into your heart and causing it to burn. You with me now, friend? All right, so let's look, at, let's look at this right here. In Luke chapter 19, verse 28, says this. When he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethpage and to Bethany at the mount called Olivet that he sent two of his disciples saying, Go into the village opposite you. Whereas you enter, you will find a colt tied, which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. Now in this text, we can find and we can read it out of several places. In Matthew, it says that the young colt was there with a with an older donkey, if you will. There was a donkey with a young colt there, and the scripture says to go loose, go loose the colt. Now think about this, because we, we're designing this service really around uh, the seniors, if you will. I graduated in 1997 as a heathen of heathens. Now let me tell you this. That's why you can't give up on the heathen. Come on, somebody. 
Because the following year in 1998, I preached the baccalaureate service in 1998 in my community. What happened between May of 97 and May of 98 was I had an encounter with the living Christ in February of 1998. Come on, somebody. And that changed my life, and I was able to preach that. So we got what happens is, is you got young people in this room that are going off to college. So the way I see it, they're getting untied. Come on, somebody. They're getting loose from that mama coat and that daddy coat, and they're going out from there. And this is what I always train my children. You can t- I, this is how I do mine. I tell Grant this, that our standards do not drop because of proximity of where you're at. Come on, somebody. That foundation of who we are has to be laid inside of our children. It doesn't matter if they're at the University of Georgia, if they're at the bedroom in our house or the kitchen table. Who we are is who we are. And so in this text that Jesus is saying, loose this coat because I have need of it, I believe God is, listen, first of all, you can only free somebody if you free yourself. Come on now. You can't be a teenager trying to free others or an adult trying to free others when you bound yourself. So only loose coats and loose people is going to loose anybody. But Jesus said, listen, I have need on it. First of all, it's one that no one has ever set on. How many knows that God's got a call and a purpose for your life, friend? And listen, that you don't have to be an impot- you don't have to be impersonate somebody else. You don't have to be a clone. You can be who you are because God chose you, friend. And what's in you is what He needs. He yeah, 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 yeah. He don't just need preachers, friend. He needs teachers. He needs athletes. He needs all of us in this room. So here's a cult that he is trying to ride, he's going to ride, and I believe that one of the things we're going to see in the days ahead is that that we're going to see a massive cult movement in this nation. We're already seeing that, but I'm telling you it's only going to increase. All right, now let's go to Judges chapter 3. Go to Judges chapter 3. Stanton will know exactly this text right here when we get here. Let's look at verse 12 of Judges chapter 3. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Then he gathered to himself people at Ammon and Amalek and went out and defeated Israel and took possession of the city of... of, uh, I'm making sure I'm right right here. Okay, when the children of Israel cried out... Uh, to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, a children uh, uh, of the, the, by, by the children of Israel, uh, sent to the tribe of Eglon, king of Moab. Hold on, let me read this again. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting all messed up here. But the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. The Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjaminite, a left-handed man. Look at this. By him, the children of Israel sent to tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Other words, listen, God is raising up a judge, a deliverer to set his people free, and he's raising up a left-handed man. Now, we know, uh, listen, 
Damon Thompson preaches a message called being left-handed in a right-handed world. Now Stanton's a left-hander. My dad was a left-hander. How many knows that left-handers only make up about 10% of us? So it's not common, right? Come on. Most people are right-handed. I got three boys, was hoping to get a lefty out of one of them, but did not get a lefty. I got all right-handers. So right-handers are rare. So when God was ready to raise up a deliverer, he chose a left-handed man. In other words, he picked someone that was not really just flowing with the crowd. I believe if we're ever going to make a difference, friend, listen to me, we cannot keep allowing, listen, the church is kind of like just flowing. It just flows with the current. Whatever, whatever. We, we've got the standards so low now, and I don't really going to get into that. But listen, if we're ever going to make a difference, we have got to raise up people that is willing to be different from the crowd. Come on, somebody. We have got to be people that can, that can go against the current instead of float with the current, friend if you will. So Ehud is raised up. He's a left-handed man in a right-handed world. I feel like God has called us to raise up a left-handed church in this community. We're not here to be like every other church. Come on, somebody. Hey, with the... I'm not here to be like every other church. I don't want to sing the same song that every, every other church sings. I don't want to preach the message that every other church preaches. I want to be left-handed in a right-handed world. There's a song, and I, I listened to this song, and I sent it to Stanton. I'm not a big, really, um, I just like, I really don't like the message sometimes and all that, but you got to listen to whatever. But there's a song that is on the message, and it comes on K-Love, and... This is the name of the song. And I sent this out. I have listened to this song probably, I would say, at least 2,500 times. So I said, my God, they know me, those that know me, when I find something that the oil's on, I listen to it till I bleed it all out. You with me? And this is just uh, like a contemporary, it's on K-Love, The Message, whatever. But it's by Micah Tyler. And it's called, I Want to Be Different. How many's heard that song? Let me read you this. It says, I don't want to hear anymore. Teach me to listen. I don't want to see anymore. Give me a vision. This is a heart of a person. Listen to it. I don't want Danny's vision anymore. I want God, you give me a vision for my life. Are you with me? Listen, we can try to coach you and how you should go. We can try to tell you, go be, a, go be a pilot. Go be a surgeon. But what I want you to be more than anything is what God destined you to be before the foundation of the world. And the only way you discover who God called you to be is you develop a relationship with, with Him, friend. And as you hang out with God, He will begin to unfold your destiny. You with me? Are you with me? Listen, that you could move this heart... To be set apart. I don't need to recognize the man in the mirror. I listen to this all the time because this is my prayer. And I don't want to trade your plan for something familiar. I can't waste a day. I can't stay the same. I want to be different. I want to be changed. Till all of me is gone and all that remains is a fire so bright that the whole world can see. That there's something different, so come and be different in me. How many knows that Haley's going to the University of Georgia and this is exactly what they need? 
There's a, there's a, a student that was with uh, Alabama that went to the White House and they interviewed him and I saw this and this kid was sitting there and he said that when he had the opportunity to speak to Trump to ask him what did he say, he said, well, he said, I spent a few days fasting about what I tell him and he said, I just reminded him he was created in the image of God and that God chose him for a time such as this and I told him, I said, if you'll lean on the understanding and the wisdom of God, God will help us in this nation. How many knows, listen, that every kid ain't out there partying, friend. There is some left-handers at the University of Alabama. There's some left-handers still left in the school, friend. Everybody ain't having sex. There's some left-handers out there. And that's what we want to see God raise up. Listen to this. I don't want to spend my life stuck in a pattern. There's some people in this room, you probably feel like your life is stuck in a pattern. I don't want to live my life stuck in a pattern. And I want to, I want to gain, I don't want to gain the world, but lose what matters. What matters at the end of the day, friend, is not our bank account. I can tell you this, as much as you want to leave behind, our grandkids will probably show us how to go through it, friend. We've got to leave far more than a monetary gain. We've got to live a, leave a lifestyle of prayer. Our children should know, listen, when we get our backs up against the wall, it, what do we do? Do they, do they see a mom and dad that get down on their face and say, God, will you come through for us? Do they see a, a dad that reads the word of God, that values the word of God? What do they see? Listen. Almost done here. I know that I'm not part, I know that I'm not perfect. But through you, the cross still says I'm worth it. So take this beating heart and come and finish what you started. When you see me, let them see you. Because I just want to be different. That song, I'm telling you, I listen to that song every day. Because it's just a personal prayer of mine. All right, God wants to raise up some left-handers in a right-handed world. You there? All right, let's go right here. I'm almost done right here. Let's go right here to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. Mm. Daniel chapter 1. I can find the book of Daniel. I think it's right after the book of Mark. Let me just set this up right here. Let me set this story up. In this, let me, let me just ask you this. How many believes that our schools could be swept with massive revival? How many believe that, honestly believe that in this room? I can tell you how that can happen. That, you know, and I said this, regardless of what you believe about guns and all of that, obviously we're in the South. I'm an avid outdoorsman. We own a bunch of them. And so I'm not here to debate no deal on guns. But I can tell you this. I got a house full and they ain't hurting nobody. What happens, though, is what we've got to learn how to deal with is the heart of man. Come on, somebody. You agree with this? And so, but I'm not here to debate that subject. But I graduated in 1997, and before 1999, 
if there was a mass shooting in the school, I didn't know about it. But how many members that Columbine was what really opened the door or opened the gate for that type of hell to come through? How many members that in 1999? Columbine. I remember Pastor Parson did several episodes from right there because I was in Ohio. And I remember back then looking at that and studying the life of one of those girls was Rachel Scott that lost her life there. And she was the one that was told that the killer stood on the table and made her look down the barrel of the gun and said, deny your relationship with God. And, and so she did not deny her relationship with God and she lost her life. How many knows that there's something different in your life that that's not the average teenager? Come on. You don't, you got more knowledge. Listen, you've got more knowledge than a Bible story. If you could stare down the barrel of a gun and not deny it. Come on. You with me? You've got experiential knowledge and something has happened. And so uh, that, that, that is one of the things that opened up the doorway for all of this to come in. And so, but listen to this. How many knows when you, when you see hell quaking, that's also a sign that we're real close to something. Are you with me? When you see young people trying to be taken out, that is a sign. Are you with me? In the Bible, there was a decree trying to take out the children. Are you with me now? In the days of Jesus, Moses, he was put in a basket. Every time you see deliverers coming up, come on now. Come on now. When you see deliverers start being raised up, there's, there, there's something to come try to take them out. So, the, so this generation is, is, is having to fight a lot of battles. We got opiates and all of these things, that, uh, an epidemic with pills. When I was in school, nobody took no pills. Come on, y'all with me? Can we get honest in here? I didn't see nobody taking pills. Now, uh, prescription pills and all the stuff that these teenagers have got to overcome. But we got the promise. Listen to me. In the, in the, in the churches that Jesus wrote, he said that he who overcomes. How, I, re, the reason why I believe we're overcomers is because Jesus, the Lamb of God, overcome death, hell, and the grave. And he lives on the inside of us, friend. So therefore, if he is resident in my life, he is living leading me to become an overcomer. It doesn't matter what is in my life today, what has me bound, if I will hang on to him, he will set me free. Yes. All right. And so we, we, see, we see the attack on these kids and where we got to get to. All right, so listen. We started out with Jesus is loose in a coat. It's one that no one's ever said. That's your call and your gifting. You are uniquely made. You are wonderfully and fearfully made in the image of God. There's nobody else that can do your task. Do you believe that? Nobody else can fulfill your assignment. You have got to fulfill your assignment. And let me tell you how much your assignment matters. How many members when Cain got, rose up and slew his brother Abel? How many members that God said, where is Abel, right? Remember that? And Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? But listen, I was listening to Larry Randolph one time. He said he did an extensive study on that. And he said what God was saying, the silence of his gift is deafening in my ears so that tells me when God put Dennis Harrell on the face of the earth he gave him an assignment and a destiny and a gift and a call to, for him to accomplish and when you're not activated in your call that gift silence is deafening in the ears of heaven God expects us to run the race and get what he says for us to do so then what do we read that God wants to raise up left handers this is, a, this is a group of kids that flow different, that look different, act different, and talk different. Come on, somebody. And thinks different. 
Do y'all believe this? Lord, I'm pushing the rope this morning, Danny. <laughs> so God wants to raise up left-handers. That means when the kids is out to party, I have no desire to party. Y'all believe that can happen? Y'all looking at it like, like so sad. People are like, I don't really believe that can happen. You watch what I'm telling you as the days move on, friend. I'm telling you, earth-shattering revelations is going to come to high schools, and they're going to have to call people down there because we got kids laying all over campus, and they're not shot down, but they knocked down in the presence of God. I'm telling you, this is going to happen, friend. This is happening. This is happening. It has happened. Look at what happened up in Virginia. It is happening. We just stuck down here in the south in the Bible Belt, and what we have problem is most of what we have is people hanging on, trying to wait on the rapture. Come on. We're just waiting and waiting on the rapture. All right, I'm going to get off that. In this text, you know the story of the three Hebrew boys, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was their pagan names given to them by Nebuchadnezzar. Right? <clears throat> now in this story, they've been chosen because we got to move along for time frame. And they were offered the king's delicacies, the wine and the meat. But Daniel went to one of the eunuchs and said, let us not take the wine. Let us not take the meat. And let us not consider the king's delicacies. And he said, I'm worried that if, if you don't eat, if you don't eat what the others are eating, you're going to be, you're, you're going to be, you're going to decline. And they're going to look good and you're not going to look good. So he said, give us 10 days, right? He said, set apart 10 days. Only give us vegetables and water. And let's see how we fare. At the end of 10 days, they come back and examine their complexion and their skin and their flesh was fatter, healthier than the ones that had the king's meat and the king's wine. Now think about this. Now what are you saying, preacher? I'm trying to tell you that the king's meat is the doctrine of the world. And the king's wine is the spirit of the world. Boy, I really want to preach it right right here, but I'm telling you, I'm just afraid of my offense of people. Listen, all of us, listen, what I found out in ministry is a lot of people want good kids. They don't want great kids. See, you want a good teenager. And we want, we want, we want, well, let me explain what I'm saying is. A lot, of, a lot of parents drop their kids off at church and come in on Wednesday night and they expect the youth pastor to do in two hours what they hadn't done all week long. Come on now. Listen, and if our kids really got on fire and started fasting, how many knows that's going to challenge some stuff in your house? Some of you dads going to have to cut your satellite off. Come on, somebody. Some of you dads going to have to throw your computer out the door if God really shows up in the life of your teenager. Oh, we don't want to preach right here, but let's go on. He said, listen, he said, don't give us that mess. Let me set my life apart. I can promise you this, teenager. If you're willing to give up the things of this world, listen to me, God will reward you openly for what you do in secret. Hannah, I've watched you in this week go from no car to a car, 
go from no money to money. And that is an open reward for what you have done in secret, friend. I came to tell you God will bless you for what you do in secret. Will he not, Larry? When you make a decision, no, that's not who I am. See, let me say, first of all, we've tried to raise up a generation to tell them to say no. I believe we got to raise up a generation to say yes. Because if you've ever said yes, then you don't have to say no. I've already said yes to God, so I don't have to say no to sin. It's like a third shoe, friend. I don't need it. Why? Because my yes outdrowns my no. You're never going to walk in victory by trying to say no. You will walk in victory when you say yes. How many knows I'm telling the truth? And fear won't move anything. How many knows, listen, I know we got kids in here. But how many knows when you're in middle school, you get something called sex education? They show you all these things. Did, did they not do that at y'all's school? They probably didn't at CCA. But in the real other schools, they do. How many knows when you're in high school and you was in middle school, how many knows I'm telling the truth right here, you were so afraid you went home and told your parents you'd never do that? It's all quiet in this room right here. Lord, I'm going to have to go to another church. Got to high school. How many knows that fear left? What happened? Well, for the guys, it's something called testosterone. Goes through the roof. Everybody look. Was that, I'm the only one like that? Huh? Y'all right right here? We got 20 minutes, I had to preach at 12. That's what it hired me to do. No, I'm cutting up, listen. You got something called testosterone goes through the roof. Does that not, did that not happen to most men in this room? Am I the only one? That's why you had to wear deodorant about five times a day. You know what I'm saying? Tote it with you. Keep it in your pocket. <laughs> Testosterone through the roof. All right, let's do. Why did God give you that testosterone and that drive while you're young? Why didn't he wait till you got 25 and got married before he gave you that drive? Because he expected you to have something to offer him. Come on now. Now, I've been debating on whether I'd share this story and it come up this way, so I guess I'm going to share it. There's a story that I read in a book, and it goes like this. There was a young man named Johnny, and it was the summer of 1968, or let's say 66, let's go back to there. It's his first day of high school. He's walking to get to school. He's excited. And as he walks to get to school, he comes to the corner store, and there's a there's a to the corner to take a left to go to the to the schoolhouse, and there's a jewelry store there. And he just happens to stop and take a peek at that jewelry store, and he looks, and there's this big diamond right in the window's view. And as he looks at that diamond, he's mesmerized and he's lost looking at the beauty of that diamond. And as he peers into that diamond, he's just, he's just mesmerized and taken back. And 
he goes literally into this daydream and this vision and he sees this beautiful woman or hair uh, hair flowing and just he's seen this woman in the diamond and then he finally comes to it and he realizes he's been standing there for some time now mesmerized and lost in the daydream of his own mind at the beautiful woman that he saw in the diamond that he realizes he's going to be late for his first day of school and so he runs and Johnny hurries and runs and he makes it to class all throughout the day all he can think about is the diamond and the woman he saw in the diamond and so then the next day he comes by and he looks and, and, and he's, just, he's just mesmerized by this diamond. So finally he gets the courage and he goes into the jewelry store. And the owner of the jewelry store is there and there's a young lady there and he asks to see the ring and the owner says, you're not touching that ring. Son, I can tell you, you don't have the money to touch that ring and that ring is $10,000. So Johnny was drawn back by the price and they wouldn't even let him touch it. And finally, so he comes by every day and he finally, he, but, but because he comes in and he looks at the ring, the, he it strikes up a contract and a deal with the owner of the store. And he said, how about I'll make payments on this ring? He said, I'll make payments on this ring. And, and he said this. And so finally the owner of the store agreed that he could make some payments on it. He said, you're not, you're not taking the ring from here. And if you miss one payment, listen to me. Tina, he said, if you miss one payment on this ring, one weekly payment, the deal's off and you've lost all the money that you put in. The young girl that was working behind the counter said, Johnny, please don't do that. That's a, that's a wicked deal. Nobody would agree to any terms such as that. Please don't do that. Johnny mesmerized by the ring and the woman he saw in the ring, he signs his name and boom, the contract's in place. All throughout his freshman year, Johnny works every week, every day after school. And he works and every week he takes his payment by the store. All throughout his sophomore year, he works and he works and he takes his payment every week to the store. All throughout his junior year, he works hard. While the other kids is out on Friday night, he's working his second job. While, while, uh, while Grant and all them's hitting home runs at the ball field, he's working hard trying to, and then finally, right before graduation in his senior year he goes by and he makes his last payment on the ring when he makes his last payment the store owner was there he had had this big cake and had all kind of he had balloons and they celebrated that Johnny would pay the ring off listen to me stay right here with me I'm going somewhere okay look at your neighbor and say he's going to make sense of this in a minute so so he comes home with the ring. Johnny's parents is on the front porch and they're crying. They're weeping. He's like, what's wrong, mom? And Johnny gets the papers in his hand from the U.S. government. He's been sent to Vietnam. Johnny scrambles and packs his stuff up. He's headed off to boot camp. And he, and he grabs a hold of the ring and he puts the ring deep within his deep within his um, in some socks in a little place and, and then he gets in the he gets in boot camp and the drill sergeant's so rough one night he comes in and Johnny every day makes sure that the ring's secure makes sure everything that that, that, that that he's taking care of everything and one night the drill sergeant come in and surprised him and said girls this room looks nasty we need to do some cleaning and the drill sergeant came in and slung the stuff to the side and grabbed Johnny's stuff that was on his bed and slung it to the side and when he did Johnny heard the ring fly out of the sock and go across the floor 
knowing that he had to get up at 4 a.m. To, to, uh, to go out and jog and do his exercises, Johnny set up all night carving into the into the helmet of his uh, into the helmet the bulletproof helmet he stayed up all night carving grooves into the helmet where the ring would stay in the helmet and then finally Johnny has made it through basic training and now he's dropped off in Vietnam. He's on, the, he's on the battlefield, the live battlefield and all throughout the nights and what keeps Johnny going is he feels that ring and the vision that he saw when he was a young freshman. Man, I'm telling you, I'm going to say something in a minute. You stay with me here. And so Johnny feels the ring and then one day uh, Johnny's uh, uh, platoon is ambushed and he's, he's shot in the battlefield. And he doesn't know if he's going to make it, but he mutters some last words, if you will, dying words on the field. Get my helmet! So he's airlifted and he's gone. And they, they take him in and, uh, and, and they, they're able to save Johnny's life. And he, when he starts coming to, to, and he's in this military hospital and he starts coming to, all of a sudden he looks up and the woman... He saw when he was a freshman standing on that corner. In the, in, 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 in the image he saw of that lady inside that ring is now standing over him in real life person. She's a nurse taking care of him. Johnny, immediately he gets well and he starts to heal and things get better and he's after this lady's heels. Boy, every day, can I take you out? Finally, he takes her out and her and Johnny fall in love and, it just, uh, and so they're excited and her and Johnny set the wedding date and they get married and Johnny doesn't give her the ring until on their wedding night, on their wedding night, he pulls that ring out and he gives it to her. And then the following morning, they were, they were playing in the water. And the ring happened to, while they were on the honeymoon, they're playing in the water. And the ring happened to slip off of her finger. And she comes in and she says, oh Johnny, the ring you gave me, it slipped off of my finger. And Johnny was tirelessly looking for the ring. And she said, don't worry Johnny, my dad will get us another one. She said, my dad has a lot of money. He's rich. He'll buy us another one. And Johnny said, you can never get that ring back because that ring cost me something. Now let me tell you something. You know what that is? That's your life, friend. If I was just preaching to teenagers, I'd talk about that's your purity. That's your virginity. Why does God give you that 16-year-old boy, that testosterone through the loop, through, that's toting it through Vietnam? Come on. That's something that I've toted and I've held on to. Your character. Friend, I don't care what you are. Your name's worth everything. Did you hear what I said? I don't care. Listen, your name means everything. In one moment, in one weekend, you can lose all the trust that it took years to build up. And so here's the deal. What, what Daniel's saying is this. Listen, don't give us what the rest of them's getting. I don't, I don't want to meet. Let me just say this too in the book of Daniel. How many knows his future? He was headed to the lion's den. And if you're going to get in the lion's den, the last thing you want to be done is eat a lot of meat where it's seeping through your skin. Come on, somebody. How many knows the destiny of the three Hebrew boys? They were headed to the fiery furnace. And if you're headed to the fiery furnace, the last thing you want to be full of is wine, friend. Come on, somebody. But if you're headed to the lion's den and all you got is vegetables in your system, you can overcome the lion's den. If you're headed 
to the fire and all you're toting is a bunch of water. What's in you allowed that fire around you? This is good. So finally, I want to finish with this. It's amazing how, you know, ain't it amazing how preachers just flying? They'd be preaching like wide open at 12 o'clock. It's God given. You with me? Right, let's finish right here. By the way, if the Holy Ghost is in here, I don't care if we're in here at 3 o'clock. All right, you with me? Adam, you want to come help me right here? Finish this up right here. Let's read 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 12 says this. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word and conduct and love and spirit and faith and purity. I know a lot about this verse. I planted, Catherine and I planted our first church when I was 26. I told Catherine, I said, if we could make it to 30, if I could just get to age 30, <laughs> they might feel like I'm a real preacher. I couldn't help that God called me when I was 18. Come on. For a side note, it doesn't matter how old you are. I've seen people that are 60 years old still infants in the Lord. Huh? And I've seen some teenagers that's pretty grown in the spirit. So Paul is telling his young Pastor Timothy, that he left in charge at Ephesus. Don't despise your youth, but be an example. How many knows that all of us, you heard this saying, preach the gospel every day, and if you have to, use words. How many knows we preaching it every day? Huh? That's just like preaching a, preaching a funeral. Man, we don't preach anything. We try to encourage the, fu the, the family. The funeral's already been preached before we show up. You agree with that? Let no one despise your youth. Be an example. How many would agree that this high school in Cook County needs some examples? They several great examples leaving. But there's several that's coming up into there. Be an example to the believers in word and conduct and love and spirit. Till I come, give attention to the reading and exhortation to the doctrine. I will tell you this, Haley Murphy. When you're in that dorm, never let the word of God leave you. I can't tell, I can't, I can't tell you how much, church, a passion for God's word will change your life. Do you all agree with that in here? Do you understand that this is the number one seller of all time right here? Do you understand this has been this has been urinated on, it has been burned, it has been tried to be destroyed, and it is still the number one bestseller of all time? Come on. There's power in this book, but yet in many homes this lays collecting dust. Let's be honest. A passion for the word of God. 
We're never going to change anything without a passion for the Word. Any revival that you study, any revival that you study, a lot of them took place in school. You remember in Acts 19 when Paul went to Ephesus, when he saw the move of God, the Scripture says there that he was run out of the church and he went to the school of Tyrannus. What? For two full years. And he went to the school for two full years. Then it says extraordinary miracles were done by the hands of Paul and the apostles. What does that tell you? It'll tell you any place that you find where the Word of God is being just laid out there, soaked with the Word of God, you will find the presence of God. I'm trying to tell you that. Any revival in the past, study that. The Word of God was really held in high esteem. All right. Do not neglect the gift that is within you, which was given to you by prophecy and with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. You young people in this room right here, you have received gifts and anointing by the laying on of hands in this house. Would we agree with that? All of us in here have, right? And what is he telling him? Don't neglect that gift. Don't neglect that gift. Don't neglect the gift. Now listen. <clears throat> one of the things, how many knows back in, uh, what is it, 2 Timothy 1 and 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. What I'm telling you, what he's saying here, really what shuts and neglects that gift is fear. Don't be timid, Timothy. Right? Don't be fearful. And don't neglect the gift that is within you. Your gift is what God gave you to, to overcome and to succeed in this life. All right? Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Stand up with me. Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media.